Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Now, I'm not getting big ideas about myself, but for the next few minutes, I'm going to be God. As God, I want to see my plans and my purposes fulfilled in the whole of creation, but especially in the lives of my beloved children, because all creation is waiting with longing to see my sons revealed. So I give my children the revelation of truth, Everything I speak to them are words of truth because I am the truth. And in speaking to them my word, I give them a series of promises. Now, I know that there is absolutely nothing that any of them can do in their lives to fulfill those promises. That when a promise is given to someone, there is nothing they can do to fulfill the promise, nor should that be expected of them. Because if I give a promise to any of my children, then it's for me to fulfill the promise. That's my responsibility, because I am the one who's given the promise. Uh, And as I give my promises... I also give them a number of commands that often go with the promises that seem like conditions that the promise will be fulfilled if they do certain things. But then, as God, I perceive there is a danger that many of them fall into the trap of thinking that I fulfill the promises if they fulfill the conditions. Which means that they completely deny my grace. Because all that I work in them, in the fulfillment of my promises is a work of my grace. So if they think they are earning the fulfillment of the promises by what they do, that's not grace, because you cannot earn grace. Grace is a gift. All my grace is expressed in what I give. So I don't fulfill the promises because of what they do. Because what they have to appreciate is that they can only fulfill the commands through my grace. So I give the promises that can only be fulfilled by grace 
And I give the commands, the conditions that go with those promises that can only be fulfilled by grace. So what I expect and need and want of all my children is that they live by faith in my grace, that they realize that they can only fulfill the commands, the conditions, by faith in my grace, and therefore it is my work in them, not what they do in of, of themselves, that enables the fulfillment of the commands by my grace, so that then the promises can be fulfilled by my grace. So the whole work from start to finish is by my grace. So I know that I have to get out of the thinking of my children the concept, the idea that what they do is going to produce the fulfillment of the promises. And I have been speaking to my children about harvest, and there is nothing that any of my children can ever do to produce harvest. It doesn't matter what they do, how godly they are, how righteous they are, how anointed they are, they cannot produce harvest. Only I can produce the harvest. The harvest is completely, totally, 100% my work. If they think that through anything that they do, that will produce harvest, then they are earning harvest, which is impossible. And they're not trusting in my grace to give harvest, which is the only way that harvest can happen. So I have to get out of their thinking that the harvest in any way depends upon them. It doesn't depend upon them, it depends upon my grace. And everything that I do as God in the lives of my children, I do by my spirit. And the gift of my spirit is the ultimate gift of my grace. So if whatever they do in, my li- in their lives is going to please me, it's always going to be the work of my spirit. And if it's the work of my spirit, it's the work of my grace. My spirit in them is the work of my grace in them. So it's not what they do, it's what my spirit does in them, it's what my spirit does through them, it's how my grace works in them and how my grace works through them. So, of course, I want my children to live in loving obedience, to walk in unity and fellowship with me. I want them to be at one with me. I want them to live in holiness and righteousness. But all of that is the work of my grace. In their own lives, there's nothing good. 
They have no righteousness of their own because self-righteousness to me is like filthy rags. So if they imagine that I can fulfill any of my promises through what they do, that is a kind of self-righteousness. And any form of self-righteousness grieves me, doesn't please me. So my spirit causes them to live in the ways that please me, but it is the work of my spirit. It is the work of my grace in them. In their flesh, in their natural life, there's nothing good, nor will there ever be anything good, because the flesh can never be improved. But I can reproduce my character in them by my grace, by my spirit. But then wherever my spirit operates, my grace operates. And if my grace is operating, then it's my spirit that is operating. So I have to teach my children that apart from me, they can do nothing. And when I lived among them, in the person of my son, even he could do nothing of himself. He knew that absolutely everything that was going to happen in his ministry was going to be my work and not his work. That all he could do was to live at one with me and depend upon me to give him the words to speak, to depend upon me to do in him and through him the things that happened. So he lived in that complete dependence upon me because he had no self-righteousness. Even though he's son of God, he had no self-righteousness. He lived at one with me in my righteousness. And he knew how important it was in the days of his humanity to live in that complete dependence upon me and not even attempt to do anything of himself. So what I desire to see in the lives of my children is that kind of dependence upon me, upon my spirit, and therefore upon my grace to understand that absolutely everything that I ever do in their lives is a work of my grace that everything that is going to unfold before them in the fulfillment of my purposes is going to be the work of my grace that the fulfillment of all the promises that I've given to them are going to be the work of my grace and that I will work in them whatever is necessary in terms of the commands that I've given, but all that will be the work of my grace. Therefore, what I call them to do is to have faith in me and therefore in my grace. So when I sent my son into the world, he came full of grace and truth. 
And those who knew him and walked with him in his humanity knew that the grace of God abounded in their lives. And they acknowledged that. And they came to understand, even as Paul, who became an apostle later, understood, that everything can only be fulfilled, everything of my purposes can only be fulfilled through the lavishness of my grace. Now I know that there are some people who abuse my grace, misuse my grace, teach false things about my grace. That happened in the time of the New Testament and it happens today. But just because some people abuse that grace does not in any way undermine the importance and significance of that grace and how essential it is for all my children that truly want to see my will fulfilled in their lives, that they live by faith and in complete dependence upon my grace, recognizing they can do nothing of themselves, there is nothing about them that can please me except their dependence upon me, my love, my mercy, and my grace. I'll cease to be God. But it was an enjoyable few minutes. But that sums up really what living the gospel is all about. And how there are so many warnings in the New Testament about ever getting back to thinking that what we do will affect what God does. God is always working according to his plan and his purposes. And he knows that if there are certain things that need to happen before certain of his promises can be fulfilled, then he will have to work those things in us. We cannot work them in ourselves. So it doesn't matter how much you want to be holy and try to be holy and devote yourself to being holy, your holiness is rubbish because the only thing that is acceptable to God the Father is the holiness of Jesus and the word of God reveals that he is our holiness. So our personal holiness cannot measure in any way the quality of his holiness. So, you know, I might have grown in holiness in a certain way as a disciple of Jesus, but my holiness would never make me acceptable to the Holy One. Only the holiness of Jesus can make me acceptable to him. I can only be at one with the Holy One because of the holiness of Jesus, not through any holiness of my own. So I have to beware, and you have to beware, of any very subtle forms of self-righteousness, of thinking that my acceptance or the outworking of God's will and purpose in my life is dependent upon me rather than dependent upon Christ in me. 
Now, Paul understood this, which is why he said the secret is this, Christ in you, not you, not what you do, but Christ in you. And this is why his testimony was, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith. I live by faith in him. I live by faith in the one who lives within me because everything that he does in me, through me, will be his work, a work of his grace for which he deserves all the glory. So all I can do is to stay in that place of surrender, of submission to him, of love for him, that will enable him to work in me by his grace. And of course, if I ever take things back into myself in the sense of thinking it's what I do that is going to make the difference, then God has to set me free from that form of self-righteousness. If I'm ever to judge others, ever to criticize even a brother because he has sinned or a sister because she's gone wrong, then I'm guilty of self-righteousness. Which is why Jesus says, you do not judge or you'll be judged with the same judgment with you judge others because he knows that every attitude of judgment is an attitude of self-righteousness. That he alone, the righteous one, the only one who is totally righteous has the only, is the, the one that only has the right to judge. The one in whom there has been no sin. So there are all kinds of subtle ways that God knows that we still think that we matter, that I matter. No, I only matter because Christ is in me. And I can only fulfill the will and purpose of God in my life because Christ is in me. And that will and purpose can only be fulfilled if I let Christ work in me and through me in the way that he desires. So I can't obey his commands without grace, his grace. Even his command to love, I need his love, to love with his love. I can't love with his love without the grace that he pours his love into my heart. So whatever it is he calls me to do, I can only do through his grace. Therefore, if I'm living by faith, I'm not simply living in what I know God can do, but what I believe he will give by his grace. So, as I recall all the promises that he is given concerning the feast or the harvest, as remember, the harvest is the product of the feast into which God leads us. That all this is totally the work of his grace. And of course, Jesus made that 
very evident in the parable of, of the father and the two sons, often called the prodigal son, where <clears throat> the older brother couldn't enter the feast because of his self-righteousness. His whole focus was on what he did as he perceived it in faithfulness to his father. He couldn't even enter the feast. Whereas the younger son who had sinned grievously, wasted his inheritance, yet came back to the father in humble submission, was not only forgiven and restored by the father, but he was taken by the father into the feast. Why? Because he had no self-righteousness. He'd lost any sense of self-righteousness. Whereas the older brother who was so full of his spiritual integrity as he saw it, couldn't even enter the feast. Jesus, in the parables of the kingdom, often likened the kingdom to seed. Now, harvest is the product of seed. And in one of those parables, Jesus said that when the seed is planted, it grows by itself. There's actually nothing the farmer can do to make the seed grow. Or he can water the ground, he can... These days he can add fertilizer, but actually it's the, it's the reproductive nature of the seed that causes it to grow and produce more seeds. He can only watch the harvest grow. Now Jesus, speaking spiritually of course, he says to the disciples, look, the fields are white and ready for harvest. Not because of anything you have done, but because of what I have made possible through the sacrifice of my son. So what God needs is not people who can produce the harvest, as there's nothing we can do to produce the harvest, but simply harvesters. Harvesters gather the harvest that only the Father can produce, that only God can produce. So we're coming to a time when, as God was speaking to us last week, he wants to make us all fishers of men, those who will be used by him to gather the harvest. But we must avoid the temptation of thinking that the harvest is only going to come because of what we do, the way we pray, the way we believe. No, no, the harvest is what God has provided. What he's already done, the harvest is there, ready 
That's what Jesus says. So all we can do is now depend upon his grace to do whatever he needs, wants, desires to do in us and through us to make us the harvesters. To make us the fishers of men. All this simply indicates what you hear me say very often. If your eyes are on yourself, they're in the wrong place. Because you can't produce anything. You can't produce the fruit of gathering the harvest by looking at yourself. There's nothing about yourself, you see, that can make you a harvester. Everything that pleases God in your life is the work of his grace, the work of his spirit. Everything, absolutely everything. If it's not the work of his grace, then it doesn't please him. It may seem that lots of things are neutral that may neither grieve him nor please him. But certainly when we depend upon ourselves and not upon him or when we get into this thinking that it's some righteousness of my own that is going to produce the harvest. But that really grieves the Lord. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand my word. One of the most important portions of scripture that really talk about this is the epistle to the Galatians. The Galatians had experienced a move of God, a move of his spirit. They'd seen lots of lives saved and miracles happening, supernatural works of God. And Paul says to them, who's cast a curse upon you? Now that's strong language. Because it seemed to him that despite all that they had seen God do, they were no longer living under the blessing of his grace, but they were now living under curse. What was the nature of that curse? They were going back to thinking that whatever happened was the result of what they did rather than God's grace. That's a subtle way of going back to law, of going back to religious formalism, where your trust is in what you do rather than your trust is in the Lord himself. And Paul says, you must, you must be living under a curse rather than the anointing of the Spirit that was upon you. And he says, you know, when, when did you see the Spirit move? When did you see all these miracles happening? Was it when you were living by law, by dependence upon what you do? Or was it when you were living by faith in my grace? Faith in what you heard. 
faith in my word. So it's a good day when you realize what rubbish you are, how weak you are, how foolish you are, and yet knowing that doesn't matter because Christ is in you in your weakness, that his grace is sufficient for you and his power is actually made perfect in your weakness, not in your strength but in your weakness, in your knowledge that apart from him you can do nothing. In and of yourself, nothing and yet highly valuable to him because... You are one of those he's chosen in whom his beloved son Christ is to live, to work, to have his being. For him to work through you everything that God has planned and purposed for you. So, does it matter what we do? Of course it matters what we do. It, that's why a false grace teaching can go wrong, where people suggest that everything is so much the grace of God, it doesn't matter what we do. No, 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 it matters immensely because those commands, those conditions have to be fulfilled because they're God's word, but they can't be fulfilled by us, but only by the grace of God working in us and through us by our faith and dependence upon the Holy Spirit who lives within us and will enable us. So, it was fun playing God for a few minutes, but actually doing that just demonstrates how absolutely everything in our Christian lives from start to finish is, is just totally dependent upon his grace, upon his love, upon his mercy, upon him. That what Jesus said is really true. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So everything we do apart from him, apart from his grace, apart from his spirit, is worth nothing. And if even Jesus said that about himself, of myself, I can do nothing. I mean, Jesus said that of himself. Because he had a self-life, like we have a self-life, but that self-life was not the one that operated. It was the Father in him. Do you not know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Do you not realize if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? And you see, this is what God is after with us. That our witness in the world would, would be such that if people see us, they see Jesus. Or they see something of Jesus in us. That whatever they're going to receive that is going to bring transformation to their lives and the healing and resolution of needs in their lives is going to be Jesus. So Jesus says on the last great day of the feast, come to me if you're thirsty and drink. But as you drink of that living water, as you drink of my spirit, as you drink of my life of power, of all that flows from my throne, then out of you will flow rivers of living water, not rivers of self, not rivers of 
self-accomplishment, not rivers of self-righteousness, not rivers of pride in what you think you can do spiritually or where you are spiritually. Spiritual pride is a terrible thing. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Because it's another aspect of self-righteousness. And it completely undermines what God is able to do in us. Better to know your true place that apart from him you can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all to please him. Nothing to bear fruit that will last. It has to be Jesus has to be his spirit, has to be his grace. Our faith in his grace. Meaning, we expect him give and 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 give, because unless he gives it, it's not worth having. Everything of God's plan and purpose is the result of what he gives by his grace. So you have it up there. Every time you enter into this room, And he is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, grace. At all times, grace. Having all that you need, grace. You will abound in every good work of grace. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 8. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet he became poor, so that you through his poverty might be made rich with his grace. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see? He became poor so you can be rich in grace. Not in self-effort, not in self-dependence, not in self-righteousness. But faith in his grace. So whatever... The Holy Spirit does in you and through you is a work of God's grace. 
Whatever God does by his grace is going to be a work of the Spirit within you. You won't be able to separate the two. And because he has called you to his service and has given you the anointing that you need to fulfill whatever ministry he has for you now and in the future, he has already given you the anointing that you need for a life full of grace. The call of God, the anointing of God, the enabling of God and the grace of God are all one and the same thing. God just gives the whole package to you. And you just have to learn what that package contains so that you live in the good of it and never ever try to do anything yourself. So praise God. He must be saying something to us for him to want this word to be brought this morning. Just some slight adjustments that need to be made to attitudes, to thinking that perhaps because we pray and really go for God and believe that harvest, that's what's going to make it happen. No, no, no. It's only dependence upon his grace. Let's all stand. Come into the middle. Oh, hallelujah. Romans 5, through him we now have peace with God and all the blessings of his grace are made available to us by means of our faith. We stand daily in the flow of God's free gifts to us and we can rejoice that a greater revelation of his glory awaits us. This is our sure and certain hope. Hallelujah. And God's grace is so much greater than our sin. Because of that grace, sin no longer reigns in our lives, resulting in spiritual death. Now grace reigns in us instead. Because of God's gift of acceptance that makes us able to receive the gift of eternal life made possible through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, as you stand in the Lord's presence this morning, I just want you to not analyze yourself because we know that's not the way to go. But just ask yourself, is grace reigning in my life? Because that's the phrase that Paul uses. Sin doesn't reign in your life. Okay, that doesn't mean you live a perfect life. But sin doesn't reign over you. Sin doesn't reign in you. 
Praise God for that. Because that's a work of his mercy and grace. But just ask yourself now, is grace reigning in your life? That means, is everything that's happening in your life now subject to his grace? To the grace of God, to the gifting of God, to the enabling of God, day by day in your life, is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ reigning in our lives? Is everything subject to his grace? Or is there still self-effort? Striving? Straining? Thinking that what he's going to do is dependent upon you rather than dependent upon him. And if you realize that grace is not reigning, then very simply now you can say, Lord... Forgive me for any self-dependence, any self-righteousness, which I may not have recognized as self-righteousness. Forgive me for all of that, Lord. And my heart desire now, my prayer now, is that your grace will reign in my life. That every day I will consciously, deliberately live by faith in your grace. I will expect your grace and your favor every day of my life, in every situation in which I'm placed, that instead of getting negative and fearful and complaining, I will always instead trust in your grace, that no matter what the situation, your grace will abound, your favor, your favor will rest upon me, your favor, your grace will be manifested in those circumstances. Lord, I dare to believe that you are raising each of us this morning to another level of faith where we would just live in complete dependence upon your grace. And we thank you, we praise you, we bless you, Lord. Thank you that I can't even obey you by trusting in myself. It has to be your grace working in me and through me. I can't get things right by trusting in my ideas, my opinions, my attitudes. It has to be you, Lord. It has to be your spirit. It has to be your word. It has to be your grace working in me and through me, keeping my thinking right, keeping, keeping me in submission to your will, to your word, to your ways.
all your grace, Lord. And I thank you that your grace is sufficient for me. Hallelujah. That no matter what situation I'm in, no matter what issues are being worked out through my life now, your grace is sufficient for me. Hallelujah. Even though, Lord, I may not understand what is happening now, your grace is sufficient to take me through whatever into the place where you want to lead me for the outworking of your will and purpose. And I give you glory, I give you honor, I give you praise. Come on, let's praise him. Come on, let's just speak out our praise now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Para tapari eletto kalazotri santuma. Papa papara saturi eletto kalazotri santuma. Balandari eletto papa papara satu kalazitri santuma. Balandari el tatko kokporozotri sandarama. Kalandari eletto kalazotri sandari elena mazundama. Papa papara sandari eletto papa kalazitri santuma. Papa papa kala sandari eletto papa papa suteri sandari papa papa ra sandari eletto papa papa ra sandari sandari eletto papa kala suteri sandama thank you thank you thank you jesus thank you thank you thank you jesus papa papa kala sandari eletto papa papa kala suteri sandama papa papa kala sandari eletto papa kala suteri sandama Oh, papa papa para sandari eletto papa papa sandama. Oh, papa papa di sandari eletto papa papa kala di sandama. Oh, papa papa para sandari eletto papa papa di sandama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Papa papa sandari a santo papa kala di sandama. When he's writing to the Ephesians, Paul says he has done this, all that he's done through Jesus. He has done this so that in the future we might demonstrate that the riches of his grace are so immense that nothing can be compared to such riches. And this grace has been shown to us because of his kindness towards us expressed in all Christ Jesus has done for us. You see, it is only because of his grace that you have been saved. All you did was to put your faith in his willingness to be merciful and gracious towards you. So your salvation is not anything you could possibly have worked out for yourselves. It is completely God's gift to you. And all the outworking of that salvation in your life is still the work of God's gift to you. Hallelujah. Each one of us, Paul says, is given the particular grace we need to fulfill our calling. And it is Christ himself who imparts this grace to us. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. In the opening of his gospel, John says, speaking for those who knew Jesus, from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. Come on, thank him. From his fullness, you have received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Everything 
is His grace. Hallelujah. Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. That's what it means to know Jesus. That's what it means to live with Jesus. That's what it means to walk with Jesus. Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm thankful. Anybody else thankful? Thankful for that grace. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Okay, so in what way do you need to see the grace of God in your life at this time? Faith in his grace. Come and pray now. Lay before him whatever situation. Now, you might have been praying about some issue for some time. And somehow it never quite registered with you that the answer was grace. You've been trying to believe, have I got my faith right? Am I saying it right? Am I, am I, is this real faith? And God's saying, listen, don't analyze your prayer. Just trust in my grace. Just trust in my grace. Jesus said, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. Why? Because he's the God who gives by grace. So instead of keep on and on and on and on about a situation, can you thank him now? That you have the answer by his grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's so simple, isn't it, really? Don't we make things complicated when we lose sight of his grace? Everything becomes much, much more complicated when you lose sight of his grace. It's so simple while your focus is on his grace. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Karatotoria leto papaparazandaria lena masandama. O papaparazatokalazitri sandaria lena masundama. Papaparazandaria leto papapakalazitri sandama. Pandaria leto papapakalazitri sandaria lena masundama. Palataparia leto corazotri santo. Basta calaria leto papaparazandari sandama. O Randaria Lena Masutri Sandaria Leto Papapapara Zandama. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for all the blessings of your grace. Papapapara Zandaria Leto Papapapakala Zandama Landama. Papapapara Zandaria Leto Bakala Zandama. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just thank him that he has blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That's the measure of his grace towards you. He has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. That's his grace. Hallelujah. He never wants to withhold anything from you. His desire is to give. His desire is to bless. His desire is to enable. Hallelujah. Koratapariya leto karasotari sandama. Papapara sato papakalasitari sandama. Papapariya leto karasotari sandaria lena masuntari sandama. Papaparia leto corazotori sandaria lenama. Ombarazotori sandaria leto papapapara sandama. Ombarazandaria leto papapapara santori sandama. Ombapapara sandaria leto papapara sato bacalazotama. E pamparia leto corazotama. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Lord. You are so good. You are so good. Your grace is so amazing. Hallelujah. Pola taparia ledo papapakala sandaria lenuma. O papapakala sandari sanduma. Because of what he has done, it says in Hebrews, because of what he has done in going ahead of us, we are now able to come close to God's throne of of what? Of grace with confidence. And when we do so, we are able to receive mercy and discover God's abundant grace that will help us no matter what the nature of our needs. The throne of grace. The throne of glory is the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, you have opened up the way to the throne of grace. Thank you, Lord, that we come and live in that way and follow in that way every day of our lives. When we pray, when we worship, even the way we live is before your throne of grace. And we bless you, we praise you, that from that throne flows that river of grace into our lives and through our lives and out of our lives that others may taste of you because of the way your grace abounds in our lives. And we praise you, we bless you. Come on, I think we just need to finish with a time of real praise and rejoicing in the Lord this morning. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. You know, normally we go a little bit longer on Tuesday mornings, but I just feel God is saying, no, stop there, because you can't add anything to my grace. And by my grace, I've done this morning what I wanted to do this morning, so don't add to it. Just live in the good of it. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.